You're listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed, episode 188. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Now, each week here on the podcast, we address a different topic to help you build a success mindset, present yourself with confidence, build strong relationships, and be an all-round better human. If you haven't yet already, I invite you to join our community over on Facebook. Search for the group The C Method Rockstars or go to thecmethod.com slash community. We cannot wait to meet you. Now, today I am very excited to introduce you to my very special guest, Fabian Datner. Fabian is an incredibly accomplished speaker, facilitator, author on leadership and development, and an enabler of transformational change. She is the founder of Datner Grant, a unique, authentic, and high-impact leadership development consultancy, as well as Homeward Bound, a global initiative to support a 1,000 women in STEM into leadership and decision-making. And they do that through taking these women to Antarctica, which is super cool. Fabian has spent many years working with leaders, helping them to understand their deeper purpose, lead authentically, amplify their voice, and create sustainable, collaborative, visionary, lasting change. I met Fabian through her Compass program, which is Datna Grant's flagship program for women leaders. I was a participant in the most recent Compass program, and it was incredibly impactful for me. I gained a much deeper understanding of myself and why I think the way I do. I, de- I developed a deeper awareness of how I behave, which has enabled me to become a better speaker. I've been able to apply it to, to when I facilitate. It's helped me become a better coach, a better partner, sister, daughter, and friend. So this is why I asked Fabian to join me on the show to share her deep insights and wisdom with you too. We discuss why we avoid certain conversations and situations instead of facing them and why this avoidance tactic isn't helpful for us and why it holds us back from speaking up and showing up as our true selves. We talk about how to notice the unhelpful thought patterns that come up and how to change your story to something more constructive. Now, there's a lot in this conversation, some very deep concepts. So if you can, I recommend you listen to this episode a couple of times as it may require time to absorb the ideas and the insights that Fabian shares. I will put links to how you can connect with Fabian in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 188. Now, my first question to Fabian was, Your programs, Compass and Homeward Bound, are purely focused on women. Why are you particularly passionate about empowering women leaders to reach their full potential and make their impact on the world? Here's Fabian Datner. I think the philosophy that sits behind the work that I do comes from a deep concern about the planet, a deep concern that somewhere in recent history, we've lost touch with what the true narrative of leadership should be about. And we've promoted a lot of people into leadership positions who are good money makers, but not necessarily good leaders. And we've confused money making and leadership. And it's led us collectively 
to make decisions that aren't actually in our future best interests. And that's most evident in terms of environmental degradation, but it's, it's evident in the creeping narrative of distrust, uh, that people don't trust leaders, uh, leaders themselves are bewildered by the velocity and volume of work that they have and the choices and the responsibilities they've had, they currently have, partnered with strategic ambiguity and understanding that a lot of people don't trust them, don't like them. So my interest in leadership is not on, in, strictly speaking, in empowering people, it's in transformational change in order to help leaders understand the narrative of for the greater good. And so three things that you ought to be able to do as a leader, you ought to have a deep sense of self. If you don't have a deep sense of self, it's almost impossible to truly understand what other people need. And the second principle is that what I want as a leader must be what we as a collective need, that my function as a leader is not about my ego and my achievement, it's about the extent to which my ability serves an agreed outcome. And the third is the concept of for the greater good. Now, for the greater good may be the extent to which you serve a team, the extent to which you serve a family, a community, or a country. But if it's about self-aggrandizement, self-reward, then it will rob all of us of something. And for you personally, it's a short-lived gain. Why I'm interested in women is I, I had to face into the wind that 35 years of leadership practice globally had led me to the horrifying conclusion that the practice of leadership was collapsing. So Edelman, a uh, global PR company, probably do the best research on the extent to which we trust leaders. And I think it's sitting around 4%. We fundamentally don't trust our leaders anymore. And so um, my interest in women was the persistent and pernicious absence of women at the leadership table, despite a long time of research and, and advocacy and change in policy. You know, women were not being paid the same amount. They're not visible. They're not getting the, the top jobs. And we're not in sufficient uh, numbers to genuinely change the leadership dialogue. And then the cap off for me was that I began to realise that good leadership is everywhere in women. Uh, and that by nature or by nurture, take your pick, women appear to be statistically significantly more collaborative, inclusive. They have a legacy mindset, so they worry about not what they achieve themselves in isolation but what will follow behind that and beyond that. What do you mean leadership is everywhere? Uh, you, you, finding people capable of influencing and working with others yep in my experience, is easier in a spread of women than it is in a spread of men. You know, you don't find a lot of hunters in a spread of women, but you'll find a good hunter in a very small sample of men. You don't find, you know, by nature, people who will push past barriers to invent something so commonly in women. You'll find that more commonly in a spread of men. But in a spread of women, you'll typically find a predisposition to collaborate over hierarchy, to uh, inclusion. They don't feel comfortable having someone left out. And when I talk legacy mindset, I mean that they think about consequence and timeframes. And finally, they can be statistically, materially more trusted with assets, and that means both money and people. A lot of good research about all those four characteristics. So why are there not more women leaders then? Therein lies the, the, one of the... the um, paradigm shifts of the times in which we live and one that consumes many 
people in our world today, if they do have that attribute, why are they not finding their way to the table? And at its simplest, I will say that the history of revolution teaches us that incumbent power doesn't give up position simply because it's not fair. And we've been battling, you know, um, uh, women's rights have gone through three big phases. One is fairness. We have the right to equality. The second is it's a business asset because the research is emerging everywhere that where women are present in significant numbers, businesses do better. But the third is what if, from my perspective, is what if, in fact, their, their predisposition as leaders was the single greatest asset we've got towards a sustainable future right now? because they're less likely to get into conflict, they're less likely to start wars, they're more likely to say, how do we solve this together, no matter where they come from. Mm. So, Fabian, in your opinion, what is one of the biggest challenges that hold women back from taking their their place as leaders? This is really um, one of the tough conversations loving but tough conversations we have with women all the time. It's the paradox between self-awareness and fear. And on the one hand, I can know I have an idea, I have a, a, a proposition that has merit. Uh, but on the other hand, I fear the isolation of speaking up. On the one hand, I recognise the incredible benefit of curiosity and the journey of becoming, on the other hand, I don't like being that vulnerable. I don't like being that visible. I I don't want to be on my own in a group. I'm really happy when I'm with you and you and mm. we are a we, but being an I is not comfortable. So our whole model of leadership is something that, you know, actually intrinsically is at odds with how women would more naturally lead. We could dive into so many different areas here. Mm. What I'd like to do is focus in on one area um, because I think that's what's going to help the listeners the most so they can really, you know, work to understand what might be going on for them. Now, something that you mentioned that you wanted to address in particular was this idea of avoidance Mm -hmm. and how women will often, when faced with conflict or a difficult decision, they will avoid instead of taking that action. Mm-hmm. So can we dive a little deeper into yes, that, absolutely. that topic of avoidance? So to kick us off, can you tell us what avoidance is and what, is it, what does it look like in the workplace? Sure. So I'll tell you what avoidance is, first of all. Mm. Um, some of your listeners will be well familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of need. So at the bottom of the hierarchy is the fundamental uh, – fear that uh, my voice doesn't count, so don't say anything, that no matter what I do, it will make no difference, so do nothing. Mm. Um, and it's fear-driven. So it is literally the deer in a headlight. It is the antelope about to be killed. It is a freeze response that has the brain shutting down. So avoidance at its most extreme is a very fearful place in which the brain reverts to a threatened animal uh, reaction to whatever is in front of it. So, um, Would you say an example would be when someone says, I get up to speak to a group and I freeze up? Well, is it, that something it, a it is, it is, but it can happen in a thousand small ways. So mm. getting in front of, standing up in front of an audience, as an example, is, you know, uh, akin to death. So, you know, the three big fears in life, marriage, death, and 
public speaking. So I think that's a very big proposition. I can say in a very simple one, I can be in a meeting, uh, I actually have the technical expertise, the cognitive capability, but there is a leader in the room who speaks in a way my very dominant father used to speak to me and he says, putting his hand out as if to stop me, Fabe, if you could just hold for a minute, I'd like to hear from Bruce. And there's a rush of adrenaline through my system. My brain goes into animal mode and I go into avoidant strategy internally. I now feel like a threatened animal. So the first thing to understand is the avoidant mindset at its extreme is not a cognitive process. It's an animal response. The challenge is that it was designed to protect you. Once upon a time, if you froze, then whatever was threatening you was less likely to attack, ironically. You know, the deer that goes limp is holding, hoping, sorry, that the crocodile gets bored because you're not struggling and it goes away. So there is a, a limbic response that both brings death on quickly and or has you released from a threat because the threat can't see you. The challenge in the modern world is that those threats are being triggered 30, 40 times a day and are causing that that chemical reaction of being threatened when there's no threat in front of you. It can be too many messages <clears throat> on your phone. It can be an overwhelm with emails. I was talking to a wonderful leader I have a great deal of respect for, senior HRD yesterday of a very large tech company, and she said to me, it's funny, you know, I went through this panic about my emails, always having too many, and I found myself panicking but still not doing anything with them. Now I just don't do anything with them. And it was a wonderful moment where we saw someone accept a proposition, I can't deal with all these things, but instead of be fearful instead of being fearful around it, consciously and with awareness saying, you know what, if people want to contact me they will. I can't get to those emails. I'm not going to frighten myself around them anymore. And that ironically with something like emails is the dance between avoidance and self-actualizing. And on Maslow's hierarchy of need, those two things sit in opposition to one another. The self-actualizing mind feels a fear, feels the anger, feels the joy and processes it. The animal mind responds without thought. Stimulus responses, no thinking involved. I just feel this way and I'm not going to move. Right. So just to clarify, when we are in that avoidance, in that, in that primal limbic system, that mm. response, we aren't even aware that we're doing it. Oh, we're aware of we're, the fear. We're aware of the fear, but we're not actually doing anything to help ourselves. To help ourselves. No. Well, right. we are. We're responding as if we were about to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, which mm. is to freeze or flee. Mm. And so we talk about a lot. Talk about um, talk about a lot. Uh, the 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 fear response is you're moving away from the thing that's threatening you. When you're moving towards something that rewards you, is a conscious choice. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling overwhelmed. But what is it that I actually want? Isn't it curious what's overwhelming me? I'm overwhelmed by the amount of work I've got on. But actually, I have the power to say no. Actually, I have the power just not to do some of this because I can't. And being fearful, being anxious, when I think about it, doesn't actually improve my ability to do the work or even to solve the work. It just makes me anxious and it makes me angry. And anxious and anxiety take you back down into the animal brain. 
There's no harm feeling those things. It's when you get stuck with them that you are shifting towards an avoidant internal strategy. So can we take an example of, let's say, there's someone at work who you find really difficult to deal mm-hmm. with or they're very anti- antagonistic towards you. It's hard to have a productive mm-hmm. conversation. So let's say you're having a conversation with this person and they say they maybe come across as attacking you or blaming you for something. We feel that that gulpy discomfort within us. The primal brain is coming from that place of fear and telling us to, to be safe. What does that look like in well, that situation? It looks like a whole range of things. Some people, by the way, will go in for the attack, mm. but that's also the mammalian brain where under threat you can attack or run away, as we all know, or you can placate. A lot of women don't know that um, there are three responses, fight, flight, placate. Placate is what we call crouch mode, everything will be okay. I put my arm around the threat and everything will be fine. And it's not. Everything's not going to be fine. You have a problem. So the freeze moment when there's a fight often comes from people whose internal dialogue is, oh, my God, I've done something wrong. Oh, my God, this is my fault. I need to rescue this. This person doesn't like what I'm doing. Therefore, I'm not likable. If they don't approve of me, well, then what do I do now? Or, well, hold on a minute. Obviously, I have done something wrong because they're not happy with it. And what did they want? And I start second-guessing and tracking for the feedback to understand how I could possibly have got it so wrong and I track for, so tell me again, what do I, I will do that. And you'll see people apologizing a lot in that mindset. You know, I'm really sorry. I didn't quite understand you in the first instance. I, I can fix this. I will fix this. I'm really sorry you're upset, you know, and we placate and own their anger as if it's our problem. You can also people, I see people in the face of that anger just become silent. Well, you know, they're angry. They're right. If I do what they want me to do, then everything will be okay, say nothing. And then it slips into this much more extreme avoidant mindset where I'm literally psychologically gone. I'm either physically and or psychologically gone. So it happens as a defense strategy. It's the first thing you have to be very gentle with yourself. It's not that you're a bad or incompetent person. It's not about getting confident. It's about the courage to recognize what you're doing in your own head. And I think one of your other speakers talks about that. Once you understand what you're doing internally, you can start to adopt to what I could do externally to get a different outcome. Mm, and that is so important. It's crucial. So then the, you, you begin the journey of saying, isn't it curious when someone does X, I do Y. Why do I do that? Isn't that interesting? It's a bit like dad. And in my family, mum used to say to me when I got home from school, sweetheart, dad's in one of his moods, in inverted commas, why don't you go to your room and play and I'll bring you a treat? So I learned to be a good girl to avoid the fact that dad was being, you know, really difficult or he'd been drinking or he was aggressive or mum was being really passive. So children do whatever they need to do to prosper in families. So the the next step is see the pattern in your own head. And the move towards is curious about the energy that comes in that space. Because if you're angry, there's a lot of energy behind anger. And anger, as an example, is a primal emotion, lasts about three to six seconds. But there's a story in there. And anger also has a rule. And the rule is something is getting between you and something you really want. That's what makes people angry. But what that something is and the story I tell myself are not the same as you. The anger is identical, but how it manifests, when it manifests, and why it manifests 
are unique to me. So you got. So can um, you repeat that? So yeah. the the story is not you. Can well, you repeat that sentence again? Yes. All human beings have the same suite of prime emotions. Yes. So when you're angry and I'm angry, the primal emotion of anger is identical. The physiology of anger is the same. The rule is the same. And the rule of anger is that something is coming between you and something you want. Sadness, the rule is, you've lost something of value. Joy is anticipating receiving something. Disgust, the rule is two. It's something that's um, related to human system, poo, wee, farts, vomit, but it's also related to a violation of values, something that you hold to be very important is being violated. The story you attach to it is the unique part of that, not the anger and not the rule, but the story. And until you know what your story is, you can't move to a more constructive response to your first emotion. And your first emotion will get that story rocketing in your head and before you know it, you're playing out a strategy to make yourself safe, not to deal with the situation in front of you. And safety can come from just be passive and that's avoidant, be hyper-aggressive and and argue or fight, that's oppositional. Or in fact, you can start to become more aware of the story. Isn't it interesting when Christina keeps asking me to reframe what I'm saying, I'm embarrassed and uncomfortable because that's what my dad used to do to me. That's what mum used to do to me. That's what my teacher used to do to me. And I always felt stupid in a classroom. So Fabi, don't say anything. So that becomes the avoidance strategy. But the story's dead. It's gone. It belongs to a different era. You're just still living that story. Hi, Rockstar. I want to take a quick break to let you know applications are now open for the next round of my online group coaching program for women, which starts on February 5th, 2019. Now, this program is for you if you're a high-performing professional or rising leader and want to increase your confidence, influence, and impact in the workplace. Over eight weeks, you'll learn how to become a trusted advisor at work, build a strong professional presence, connect powerfully with coworkers and stakeholders, be an effective leader and role model for your team, persuade and influence when public speaking, articulate your ideas clearly, effectively communicate your value and become the obvious choice for promotion, recognition and advancement in the eyes of your boss and management. You'll be learning in a collaborative environment and you will be 100% supported by myself and the group. So if developing yourself and taking your career to the next level is something you have been wanting to do but have been avoiding then there is no better time to take action than now. So I do encourage you to apply. This is something that you know that you need to do, but maybe you've been putting it off. To learn more and to apply for the program, go to thecmethod.com slash group coaching. That's thecmethod.com slash group coaching. The link will also be in the description of this podcast in your app. I look forward to speaking with you. Okay, let's get back to the show. So what advice would you have for someone who who may not have even thought about how to address these stories or not, not even aware that they're there? And I know you mentioned before about being curious about what's coming up. Do you have any other thoughts on how someone can 
be more aware three of tricks, these stories. Three tricks of the trade. And okay. It's worth grabbing a pen and paper. So here are the three tricks. There's a very famous, um, we'll call her a therapist in America called Byron Katie. Byron Katie has helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people rethink what happens when you're telling yourself a story internally. And they're the famous four Byron Katie questions. When you feel something that is causing you to get stuck in an emotional state that is not helpful, sometimes anger is very mobilizing, but being angry person is not mobilizing. Sometimes there's reason to be sad, but being a sad person is not helpful. Sometimes there's very good reason to be anxious, but always being anxious is not helpful. Hmm. So Byron Katie says, ask yourself four questions. Number one, is the story I'm telling myself true? Question number two, are you sure it's true? Mm, I love that one. (laughs) Just being forced to ask yourself whether it's true or not twice, reasonably you're going to say, well, I don't know it to be true. This is the way I feel. Okay, third question, how does it make you feel believing it's true? Well, horrible. I feel disempowered. I feel silenced. I don't feel valued. I don't feel respected. I feel fearful. Question number four, who would you be if you didn't believe that story was true? Well, if I didn't feel it was true or believe it was true, I'd probably feel more empowered. I'd feel more able to say what I was thinking. I'd feel less defensive. I'd feel less competitive. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's just a story. So trick number two, very simple one line, stop yourself. Challenge yourself. Choose a different story. So stop, breathe. Six deep breaths. In an emotional intelligence context, um, given emotions only last for about three to six seconds, if you breathe your way through the primary emotion, then the, you can uh, get much more control over the speed at which an old story comes back into your head. So the minute you start to feel an emotional reaction, stop, breathe. Just take six deep breaths. And what happens is it calms the system and by the time you've got to your sixth breath, that three to six second uh, pump of emotion is passing. So all emotions will naturally dissipate yes, after absolutely. six absolutely. Uh, emotions become feelings when you add stories. Ah, okay. I got angry into that in that interaction and I went home feeling angry because I a- added in a story. And then I did something really interesting. I got home, I was feeling angry, and I told my husband about our interaction and why we were angry and I'm still angry. And so I create a mood at home of anger. Right. Emotion passes quickly. Feelings last a little longer, but moods can last a long time. And some of your listeners will know there's been in the mood in the family for years around <laughs> Auntie Bill and Auntie Pat who don't <laughs> like each other. Even to the point there's going to be a wedding and the conversation about the seating is for Auntie Bill and Auntie Pat who haven't spoken to each other for 30 years, oh, whatever you do, don't put them together. They don't like each other. Actually, they don't know each other. And the story that the family's created and these two people have created has lasted for 30 years. And the incident, the instance that caused it, it was fleeting and short. Mm. So stop, breathe, challenge yourself. And challenging means 
can I come up with three other stories to explain what's happening? So say Christine and Fabi had an argument. My internal dialogue is you kept interrogating me. Um, it felt like I lost my fluency. Only people who don't care about people interrogate. Therefore, you don't care about people. Now I'm angry because I have a high value around care and I think you're violating it. You're getting between me and a careful offering to your listeners. Well, hold on, that's just a story. What's another story I could tell myself? Well, actually, you're clarifying the message for your listeners to make it more accessible. Another story might be, I'm going over time, I need to be more concise. Another might be, you're tired. Another one might be, Fabi, you are so advanced at all of this stuff and most people are not so advanced and we need... Simple. We, need, we need simple explanations. Perfect. So the you know, question, and I'm here to help and I'm here to help facilitate correct. that. Correct. So the question I have to ask myself is of all those stories, which is the most useful? And clearly the last one is the most useful one. So choose it. So Byron Katie's four questions. Stop, breathe, challenge yourself to generate three stories, then choose the story that's most useful. And the third tip is practice that. Because your brain needs to learn it can generate other stories when things aren't working out. And it's so empowering when you know that you can do that. <gasps> because wow. then it doesn't matter what happens. You go, well, I can just create another story Correct. around it. And Nothing's going to shake me. Nope. No, and let go of the emotion. Let it ride its course. It won't last very long. Don't attach a story. Don't judge the other person. Stop. Breathe. Challenge yourself. Choose a different story. And to choose a different story, generate three stories, then choose the most useful one. Given they are all stories, wouldn't be great to choose the useful one. Now, I didn't say it was easy, and that's why the third trick is practice. Mm, Absolutely. And I know from experience it does take practice, and some of the stories that I find telling myself, one of them is when I'm speaking to an audience, my audience must like me, otherwise I'm not doing a good Mm -hmm. job. And that story, it doesn't go away. It keeps coming up, but I'm I'm aware of it. I'm hyper aware of it. So I'm able to change my thoughts and my behavior much more quickly now. That's it. Yeah, That's the magic of it. And the, the, the practice permits us not necessarily to change that trigger emotion, but to change the speed with which we manage it. And that's the magic of this. Oh, my gosh. So many things. To think about. So I, I recommend you listen to this episode again because it's going to take a bit of time. It's going to take a second listen to absorb all of like all the good stuff that Fabian has shared today. Um, Fabian, can I just ask one final question around what's one more thing we can do on this path towards self-actualizing? Um, if I were to invite one thing that I think is tragically being lost, it's play with life. Just play. You won the lottery. You're alive. Um, somewhere, I think Queen Victoria had a lot to do with this. We were told, you know, you need to get serious about your life. What are you doing? Make a choice and stick to it. And that's actually not true. If you want to find purpose and passion in your life and you don't have it, it's simply because you're not playing and having enough fun. If you play and you have fun, you'll find lightness in your heart, and sure as eggs are eggs, as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, purpose will begin to emerge. 
that's what your brain's wired for. Because mm, that's when we connect to our true self. We fully yeah. understand what it is that we, we want in life. Yeah, and I think you remember this is how the brain learns. It learns by trial and error, not by being right. Love it. Thank you so much, Fabian. Hey, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about Compass yeah. and the transformations it, it creates for people? Yeah, absolutely. It's a joy. So Compass is our national program for women. We've had maybe 1,300, 1,400 women do it. Uh, we run it maybe a couple of times in Melbourne, a couple of times in Sydney, and curiously in Bendigo in regional Victoria. Um, our global Antarctic project, Homeward Bound, grew from uh, Compass, uh, and it's a uh, seven-day program designed to stop the world for, for you all and to create a space where women can immerse themselves in a 100% supportive environment where no one is competing, no one minds what you do or what you say, everyone's there to ensure the success of their own journey and the journey of others, where we really nail the narrative of purpose and values, where they come from, how you build them, how you identify them. We talk about the process of exploring, building artistry, judges' skills and warrior skills in finding that narrative. We make sure people understand what leadership is all about and that leadership is my relationship with my children. Leadership is my relationship with my partner. It is my relationship with my teammates. Everywhere where you're negotiating with other human beings, you have the unique opportunity to lead. Who do you choose to be? Uh, we do a huge deep dive on storytelling, internal storytelling, and helping people see very old patterns and how they're playing out. And because it's done in a safe space, we help people break through those patterns consistently. And then the last piece is all about condensing it so that you can take the best of yourself from the inside out, and as as you will know, um, helping people understand how do you say that so other people can hear it succinctly, clearly, cleanly. How can you stand in your own shoes? How can you stand tall? And how can your voice have the integrity and authenticity that you feel so strongly for yourself? Wonderful. Thanks, Fabian. And I can say from experience that it is truly a transformational course. Um, I've seen this for not only myself but also for the other women that were part of the program. So I just want to acknowledge you, Fabian, for all the work that you do. I think it's absolutely wonderful and you are a true inspiration to so many women out there and um, I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Huge thanks to Fabian Datner for being such a generous guest on the show this week. You can find more about what she does at datnergrant.com.au or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 188. Now, the next Compass course I can, I can share with you now, the next Melbourne one commences in March, at the end of March, and the next one in Sydney commences in May. Now, Fabian has been very generous and she's offering listeners of this podcast a 10% discount on the current pricing until the 18th of December. That's the 18th of December. So if you're listening to this before the 18th of December and Compass sounds like a program you want to get involved with, then make sure you reach out to Fabian and her team. Okay, and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if you enjoyed this show, if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a friend if you think it's going to resonate with them. You know, 
we all have these fears and these stories going on in our minds, like Fabian was talking about. And the more that we can learn to change our story, the more able we are to manage our emotions, then the more productive, relaxed and happier we will be. And it's my wish that we can help as many people as possible to do that. So do share it with someone who you think this would help. And that's all from me this week. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors from The C Method and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>